Trials can be long and intricate, involved with many witnesses called to testify. Paul in the book of Romans is proving a case that all mankind is guilty of suppressing truth about God and about unrighteousness which is deserving of God's punishment. We are in a section that begins with Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the gospel, for in it is the power of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so we are in a section in which Paul is proving that mankind is guilty of suppressing the truth of God. That they should know that they are unrighteous and know that they are worthy of God's judgment. Paul called his first witness to the stand, and it was the witness of creation. And from that witness of creation, we learned, again, that man is without excuse, Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly revealed ever since the creation of the world in the things that he has made, so they're without excuse. So the Word of God tells us that that God, though invisible, can be seen by looking at creation. You can see the evidence that there is a creator. Further, that that creator is worthy of honor, that, worthy, that creator is to be thanked, and that creator we are accountable to. The theme of this morning's message is that there is no excuse for anyone who stands before the judgment seat of Christ for not knowing that they are a sinner and that their sin is worthy of punishment. Today Paul calls a second witness to the stand and it is the witness of our very own conscience. Each person's conscience reveals that they are a sinner and that they are worthy of punishment. The key verse is Romans 2.1 for this morning that states this, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So the first thing we learn is that everyone is without excuse in knowing that they are a sinner worthy of punishment because of their conscience. Romans 2.1 begins with the word therefore. It points back to that which precedes. And that which precedes tells us that God has given us fallen mankind over to do the very things that we should not do. If you look at verse uh, 28, the just recompense of failing to submit to the authority of God as revealed in creation is this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind 
to do what they ought not to be done. Then there's a list of things that should not be done, starting with verse 29. They're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so we find in verse 1, the therefore. Therefore you have no excuse, for we can all recognize that other people are doing things that they should not do, that they are guilty and worthy of punishment. It says in verse 1, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. Judges takes in the, con takes in the whole concept of recognizing wrongdoing and realizing that the person deserves punishment for it. Recognizing wrongdoing and that people deserve punishment for us. We pass judgments on these behaviors in a formal sense. If you look at uh, this verse, it says, there, uh, every one of you who judges, uh, we have laws, we have regulations. Uh, virtually every culture has a prohibition against murder. It's widely understood that it is unacceptable. But more importantly, not only do we pass judgments formally, we pass judgment informally. We find fault with people who do the kinds of things that are listed in verses 29 to 31. We feel wronged when people lie to us. We feel wronged when people gossip against us. Romans 1.30 says they are slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. What parent doesn't know that it is wrong for their child to be disobedient to them? What parent doesn't recognize that it's inappropriate for their child just to go their own way and to deny their parental authority? What parent not only recognizes that their child has done wrong, but doesn't punish them for it? That doesn't have some kind of recompense, some kind of way in which that misdeed is pointed out and has to be dealt with. Everyone judges. We are angered by injustices that other people perform. We want other people to pay for what they have done. You don't have to teach a child the concept of getting even. Children, when they are punched, have a natural tendency to punch back. We know that it is wrong for people to take from us. And when people take from us, we want to get it back. We realize that, that there is some kind of measure of justice. As a result, we are all guilty of knowingly doing things that are wrong, unacceptable, and worthy of punishment. 
Why? Verse 1 of chapter 2. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. By this action of finding fault in others, we are guilty. Why are we guilty? For simply recognizing sinful behavior and realize that it should be punished. The sin here is not the judging in and of itself. That's not what is in view in passage. Other places in scripture, it teaches us that we should not judge. That is not the point of this passage. <coughs> Excuse me. This passage is simply stating, when we find fault in others, it reveals our own fault. Verse 1, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Why? Answer, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Why are we knowingly guilty when we find fault in others for what they do? Because we do the very same things that we disapprove of in others. We don't want people to lie to us, but we lie to them. We don't want people, our children, to be disobedient to us, but we've been disobedient to our parents. We don't want people to say bad things about us, but we say bad things about others. What is condemned in others should be condemned in our own self. The fault we find in others, we should find in ourselves. We should realize that we are no different. The truth that is suppressed, which is the emphasis of Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that they suppress that truth by means of their unrighteousness, in this instance, is the truth of our own conscience. But mankind suppresses that and overlooks the wrong that they do and only sees the wrong that other people do. The scripture says there's no excuse for that. There is no explanation that can be given that is acceptable as to why in the world would we find fault in other people for doing the very same thing that we do without pointing the finger back to ourselves and realize we're guilty also. That we too are deserving of punishment. Furthermore, we are without excuse because our conscience teaches us that we are guilty before God and thus worthy of his punishment. By our judging others, we know that it is right for God to judge us. Notice verse 2. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. From creation and from our conscience, from creation we can see that there's a God. And we can know certain things about that God. I'm not going to rehearse all of that. We went through in the last two weeks. But we know that there's a God. And not only can we know that there's a God, we can know that we're accountable to him. And not only can we know that we're accountable to him, we know that he does what is right for punishing us for doing wrong. Not only do people condemn others, but they expect that God will condemn others as well. 
There is an anticipation that other people are going to have to pay for the things that they've done. In the knowledge of God that we have, however limited that might be, there is this natural anticipation that God punishes evil. I would imagine that just about everybody in this room at some point has heard the argument that atheists love to put forth, if there is a God, why is there evil? If there is a God, why doesn't he remove all sin from the face of this earth? If God is good, why does he allow mankind to be doing the kinds of things that mankind does? The atheist asked the question, if God is God and God is good, why does he allow evil to exist? Why does he allow it to continue? I never have heard an atheist ask the question, if God is good and God punishes evil, why does he allow me to continue to exist? Why doesn't he remove me? Why doesn't he do justice to the evil that I have done? It's out there. It's not in here. They can recognize that God in his justice should punish. That God in his justice should remove evil. But they fail to see the evil in their own heart. They fail to see the judgment that should come upon them. They fail to recognize their own accountability before God. We should know, oh, excuse me, further, as a result, we are know that we are presently worthy of God's judgment, verse three. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? You who expect God to punish others, don't you think that God will punish you? We should not expect God to do to others. Uh, we should expect God to do to us what we expect God to do to others. You know, it's a, a strange thing. Now, uh, unbelievers many times have some kind of religious background or, or training. And uh, people that actually don't believe in God at all are not unlikely to say something like, God damn you. God damn you. May God pour out his wrath on you without even believing in God in a formal sense. But they will say that about someone who cuts them off in traffic. And not think twice when they have cut somebody else off in traffic. Not recognizing the justice of finding fault with ourselves for the things that we find fault in others. 
Expecting God to judge people for the very same things that we do. How can we expect to escape that judgment is what Romans asks. We should know that the only reason that God has not yet condemned us in our sin is because he is being merciful to us, giving us an opportunity to repent. If you look at Romans 2, chapter 4, or do you presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance? We know that we are worthy of judgment. We know that the things that we have done is worthy to be punished. So why are we not being punished? Why isn't God pouring his wrath out upon us? Why does God allow people to get away literally with murder? Verse four. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? We know that we should be judged. We know that we should be judged in this present day. Therefore, we should know that God, this judge, is patient, is long-suffering, that for some reason he delays his judgment. For some reason, the things that have happened to me, that should happen to me, haven't. That for some reason, the things that should happen to other people because of what they have done hasn't happened. Don't presume upon that grace. Don't say, well then there must not be a God. Well then, there must be a limit to his knowledge. There must be a limit to his power. There must be a fault in God if God doesn't punish. If God is God, why is there evil? Mankind looks at a world that is worthy of being punished and then says, what's wrong with God? Rather than asking the question, what is wrong with us? And that our view of God is skewed. And we turn that which is good, his patience and mercy, (coughs) something that is not good. Why do we do that? Well, look at Romans 2, chapter 4. There is no excuse for us not knowing. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's raised as an incredible question. Don't you know, don't you understand that God's kindness is leading you to repentance? Don't you understand, don't you know That God is putting up with our sin for a period of time 
giving us the opportunity to repent before he drops the hammer. Here again is the willful suppression of truth. Here again is the denial of the obvious. For notice what the text says, verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, because your heart is hard, it's impenetrable, it is resistant, it is rebellious, it is refusing to give in to what we know to be true. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. I'm jumping back in the text. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. But changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And God gave them up to vile affections. God gave them up to the desires of their heart. God gave them up to a debased mind that no longer rightly discerned between good and evil. Heart is hard and impenetrable. And notice the result. Verse 5. You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Each day a person continues to live without repenting, without a recognizing of their guilt before God. Each day that a person continues on and raises their fist in defiance of going their own way is storing up for themselves more wrath. The longer we continue in our sin, the worse we're making it. Not only before others, but more importantly before God. And there will be a day, verse 5, a day of wrath when God's, unrighteous, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. One day, Jesus is coming back to this earth. One day, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment. Those that have sinned without repentance are going to be separated from God. And there will be no excuse. There won't be a single person on the face of the earth, whether they've had a Bible or not, whether they've had the gospel witness or not, there isn't a person on the face of the earth that can say, I didn't know there was a God. I didn't know that I'd ever done wrong. I didn't know that I was worthy of punishment. The scripture says we all know. We all know from the creation of the earth that there's a God, an invisible God, a God that should be honored, a God that should be praised, a God to whom we're accountable. 
Every one of us knows that we have done things that are wrong. We see it in others. There isn't a person on the face of the earth who can't see when wrong has been done to them. It doesn't recognize that they have been, haven't been treated the way they should have been treated. And become angered by it. And want somebody to be punished for it. It is universal in our makeup. It is universal in our conscience. No one will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know that I'd done wrong. I didn't know that I was worthy of punishment. But you can't know God through your conscience in a saving way. And you can't know God from a study of creation in a saving way. So Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Prior to that, he said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, to the wise and to the unwise, to the Greek and to the Jew, to all mankind. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed. In the gospel is revealed how a sinful person can become righteous. We haven't gotten there yet. But that's where we're headed. But Paul is laying a foundation, a foundation that's absolutely essential for each and every child of God to understand. That there will be no excuse. There will be no one who is not punished for their sin, including those who had never heard the gospel. They are still without excuse. For they know that they have done wrong. And they know that they're worthy of punishment. But they don't care. That's the condemnation. We know that God judges righteously. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray this morning, if there, is never, if there is anyone here that has never accepted Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, anyone here that somehow has denied their need of a Savior, believing that they're good enough to be in God's presence, believing that they have not really done things that are all that bad. Oh Lord, help us, each and every one, to see that the things that we find fault in others are present in our very own life. The way that we get angered at others for what they do against us, that that anger should be directed towards us as well. When we think that God ought to punish and remove evil. Lord, help us to understand that God should punish and remove the evil in us as well. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you that through Christ 
Our sins can be forgiven. And we can join in peace with God. Oh Lord, strive with us this day. If there is any who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.